0: State Senator Kim Thatcher. There are two candidates running to replace Bev Clarno's Oregon Secretary of State. One of them is now joining us. Republican State Senator represents District 13 from Hillsborough to Kaiser. She's been there in the Oregon legislature for about 15, a little over 15 years, running against Democratic State Senator Shamia Fagan for Secretary of State. Senator Thatcher, good morning. How you doing?
1: Good morning, Jefferson. Great to talk to you.
0: It's been a long time.
1: It has.
0: How goes the campaign? How are you enjoying it?
1: Enjoying? I've never enjoyed campaigns, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> but I enjoy doing the work.
0: Uh, how ugly is the campaign betwixt you and Shamia? How hard fought, or how easy?
1: It, you know, it's it's not it's not easy doing a, a statewide campaign in COVID for sure. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of an unusual situation. Does it make it
0: does it make it a little easier? I mean, the Republican base around the state tends to be more rural and exurban, of course. And one potential advantage of this time is that uh, such a higher percentage of people are getting used to mobile conferencing that what are your sort of around the state barnstorming tours looking like? Are you doing that with Zoom calls? Is that making some elements of the campaign easier? Are there also Wi-Fi connectivity issues or, you know, not everybody's got laptops. That's certainly true here. Not everybody who people are trying to reach. I'm sitting here in Portland. Not everybody in Portland's got a, you know, got a good Wi-Fi set up. What has the campaign been like for you?
1: A lot of zooming, and I'm glad for that technology. Though you cannot be meeting in person, and I actually have been doing that as well. I've been going to the land of phase two, since it's a little a little hard to meet in the metro area right now in any substantial fashion. But um, those calls have been Zoom, and then um, in-person stuff out in eastern Oregon, southern Oregon, here and there, everywhere. It's easy. It's nice to be able to use technology.
0: You've talked about how it's hard running as a Republican in Oregon. You've also uh, taken the same position as uh, Dennis Richardson that you don't want to talk about who you're voting for, uh, for president. Uh, and and his argument, I think your argument is, yeah, because you know you don't want to, uh, you don't seem like you're playing favorites in a campaign and it's a good it's a good argument it does though seem like it's a convenient way to avoid telling uh republican trump supporters that you don't want to support trump or a convenient way to tell those voters you're trying to cross over that you are in fact voting for trump who'd you vote for in 2016 you did vote for trump then maybe yeah
1: well, here's the thing. I did go to the convention in 2016, and I was upholding. And I, I have to tell you, he was not my first choice. He was not my second. He was not my tenth. <laughs> and I, I went to the convention to uphold the will of the, the Republican voters. There were going to be, or there were rumors of some antics that might happen, and they were they were concerned about that. They wanted somebody who would who would actually do what they said they would do, and that's why I was able to go.
0: So you were you were a delegate in 2016 to the Republican National Convention, and there was there I remember we were covered at the time. There were there was some uh, some rumor that there might try to be a convention play to block the uh, block the uh, Trump presidential nomination. Was there any when you were at the convention? Did you see any whiff of that? Were there any people trying to push around to see if they could get some states to to be what was it called faithless uh, electors or whatever?
1: There, there was a whiff of that. There were some strange things going on with other states. It seems like maybe Utah. I, I can't remember exactly, but there there was some controversy, certainly. And how does that
0: work? Do you end up getting word? Because I've been, I, I, I haven't been a delegate, of course, to the Republican National Convention. I have been one to the Democratic National Convention. And what I know, and my guess is there's some similarities. Uh, the and what happens? Do you get word in the morning of what's happening? You sit with the delegation in Oregon, and and they're announced. You have breakfast together, and they do announcements, and people come around to give speeches. It sort of, and then you end up going over to the convention hall. Is it the same sort of drill?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that. You're you're sitting kind of in on the floor of this big convention center in a big bowl, and and as far as getting word of any anti, I mean, there's a lot of people there, and so there's the rumor mill is you know quite quite. Uh, efficient. (laughs) So that's kind of how some of those things happen. But yeah, we we just kind of, you just get together. My favorite part was the balloon drop at the end. And I said that, I think on my Facebook page too, (laughs) Um, that was kind of fun, but that was, that was the best part of the whole thing.
0: What impact do you have? And I will, I'll get right back to secretary of state's race, but what, uh, what impact do you think that, uh, Donald Trump has had on the Republican party?
1: What impact has he had? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a controversial figure wherever you turn. So it's hard to <laughs> hard to say. Uh, you can you can just read the read the papers and listen to the radio and and. Uh, well, I'm more interested TV in your view. And,
0: like I know what okay. the I know what the newspapers say. I know what I say. But uh, but I'm more yeah. interested. But you've been a you've been a Republican uh, activist and elected official for a long time now. You've uh, you've been the. Uh, one of the leaders of the, one of the representatives for uh, the ALEC organization, the organization that works on legislative policy. Uh, and I mean, you, are, you've been a delegate to the national convention. I mean, you are engaged in the Republican project. It's a project you care about. And, and now there is a leader of that project. Uh, and, and I, I, and I'm wondering, and you can give pros and cons, or you can say, well, here's a couple of good things here's a couple of bad things, but I'm vastly more interested in your perspective on that question than I am on I don't know, some some urban journalist
1: You know, I, I was really hoping I could talk about Secretary State race <laughs> a little bit more I mean, national stuff, I've really been so focused on what I'm doing on my race that I, I can miss the local stories in my newspaper sometimes, so I am not. I'm not paying attention too much to the national stuff right now. So, I, I just. I am really focused on being Secretary of State, and I want to be the Secretary of State of Oregon. I don't want to be the Secretary of State of Republicans. I have told my 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 own party even during the primary that I am not going to be playing favorites. I'm not going to be. Uh, trying to uh, look at some of your projects to the detriment of looking at other projects that people would like to have looked at from other parties and and from other parts of the state that you may not agree with i and i'm not going to be uh you know administering the laws that the secretary of state has to administer in favor of one side or the other i don't think that's right and that's what I've stressed to them, in fact, I told them I'm probably going to be ticking you off sometimes. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's really what I've been focused on. I've been trying to not focus so much on you know any of the other candidates right now.
0: So I hear so I hear the argument. and where does that start, and where does that finish? Where does sort of the desire to be a nonpartisan player? As a candidate for Secretary of State and as an office holder, Secretary of State, where does that start and when does that stop? What sort of things do you decide to show up at? Where do you decide to campaign? Uh, and where do you decide not to? What's the kind of stuff that feels within bounds of that sort of nonpartisan po- po- uh, posture? And where do you say, now I got to stay away?
1: Well, first of all, it is not a nonpartisan position. It is, we are running under the banner of parties right now. And so I'm go where I go where I'm invited, and I and I can get the word out about my campaign. I even showed up at a a Grey Panthers forum that was going to be in outside of Portland State. I did not think, you know, <laughs> that it would be a very friendly territory for me, but I, I showed up, and it, of course nobody else did. It was right after the, the the fires, and there was a lot of smoke and things, and so they must have canceled it, and I didn't get the memo. But anyhow. I'm showing up where I can I can uh, promote my campaign, get people to vote for me, talk to their friends, neighbors, coworkers, family, you know, the the regular drill. And wherever that is, is where I'm going. And it can be Republican events for sure. But I know a lot of these Republican events are also inviting um, everybody. They're not just inviting Republicans.
0: So you got so if you go to the you go to Jeff Krupp's thing the uh, you go to the uh, you go to the Oregon Liberty Coalition you'll go there you get votes but even there you'll want to talk about what's happening in the Secretary of State's race let's talk about the Secretary of State's race what do you think your what are the most important three differences let's say pick one if you want between you and uh, between you and Shania Fagan
1: well one big difference would be experience I've been a steady leader in my community and since I was elected 16 years ago to the House, I've been representing, and then up until the Senate, uh, now in my second term, I've been representing pretty much the same group of people, barring what happened during redistricting with a little bit of you know nibbling around the edges. Things didn't change greatly after the last redistricting, but it's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> That's one of the biggest differences. She's been in the house for two sessions or excuse me, two terms and then a half a term now in the Senate. She seems to like to go from one office to the next without really finishing the previous one. She seems to like to look for that next higher office. That's one of the biggest differences. I do claim to want to serve as a nonpartisan. She has Democrat for Secretary of State all over her signs. And she was saying in, the, in the, the the primary, her Democratic primary, that she thinks it's really important that we have a Democrat secretary of state. I have been saying I, there there were Democrats running in the primary that I, I think might have made really good secretaries of state and would have been nonpartisan and would have been even-handed, but I don't think that in my opponent.
0: Do you think Secretary of State should be a nonpartisan position then?
1: I, I, would not, I would not put a stop to that. I think it would be a good idea to have the Secretary of State be a nonpartisan position. Now, it would be interesting how that would work with the fact that it's the de facto lieutenant governor, but, boy, it would not be interesting to have a nonpartisan governor. <laughs> you know? That, that could be interesting. But anyway, I, I was able to get the Independent Party of Oregon nomination. My opponent also ran to get that nomination because their primary was taking place during the same time that the Republican and Democratic primaries were taking place in May, I was able to get that. I was able to get the independent party endorsement.
0: When a president of the United States, or, and, I, and, I, and this, I think, does directly link to what's happening here, and, it, and I recognize it, it, it's a good instinct, and I appreciate the instinct not to let the current president suck up all of the auction of things we talk about, but it does. We'll put, this will put you in a tricky position potentially. If you have a president who is saying vote by mail is fraudulent, what responsibility does that put on a Republican nominee for te- secretary of state to speak out loudly on that topic and call to challenge what's happened, frankly, with much of my extended family who thinks that it's something that should be bagged who didn't know, anything, didn't know much, that much about vote by mail, but now they've heard uh, the president of the United States and Fox News talk about it. They think that it's a fraudulent system. What say you and what responsibility does it put on you or would it put on you as secretary of state?
1: Well, in Oregon, as you know, we've been doing this for a long time. We've, we've got lo- tons of safeguards in place. We've figured it out. We've, we've got a really good system. I think it behooves us to also look at ways of improving it. What I don't know what Trump is talking about. I mean, <laughs> I think that it can be done well, and I think we are exam- an example of doing it well and doing it right in, in our state, and I've Agreed. been saying that. Um, but I have had concerns. I have had people over the years that i have been in the legislature i have had a lot of people complain to me about different things i have not been able to see any proof i have not been able to see you know where there the things that they've been bringing up are a problem i maybe i'll have a different perspective and, and ability to look into it as a secretary of state but i, I can say that with, without equivocation especially after having conversations with the former Secretary of State, Dennis Richardson, who has more integrity than anybody I've ever met, we don't have a problem. We have a good system in place here in Oregon. That's that's what I can say, and I think Oregon can serve as that mentor to other states that want to bring it on, and I would also emphasize it did take us a couple of years to get it going and get it right at the beginning. Um, now, I don't think since we've invented the wheel now that other states would necessarily need to reinvent the wheel and take two years themselves. But I think it might take more than a few weeks to get it up and running in, a, in the right fashion.
0: When do we have any polling in this race? Do we know where this is going? And nobody likes to answer that question, but I am curious. I'm looking at endorsements <laughs> right now. I'm looking at money raised. Looks like you raised about six hundred and forty thousand uh, dollars. Might want to ask a little bit about that. But, yeah, what do we know about? Uh, what do we know about this we've now had two straight republicans as secretary of state but one elected one uh, who is Dennis Richardson uh, what do we know about the what do we know about what you're up against in winning this thing
1: well i can say that what is it 60 to 65% of the state is is not democrat and then more than that is not republican it's mostly those people in the middle the people that are yeah. non-partisan that don't want to have anything to do with the parties those are the people that i need to talk to uh, as far as polling I I mean who knows about polls yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, you, you want to believe them when they look good and then you don't want to believe them when they look bad so um, mm. I, I don't know its I think it's a toss up right now between my opponent and I but she's um, she's working hard and I want uh, to say ask
2: uh, a question oh
0: yeah dad go ahead
2: I'm going to change the subject from the race to the office one of the perhaps least understood, but very important roles the Secretary of State has is one of the three members of the State Land Board, and the state owns a lot of property, and the State Land Board dictates how that property is going to be managed, what's going to be done with it. Are are there any things that you are particularly concerned or that you really hope to accomplish for, for state lands if you are privileged to sit on the land board?
1: Right now we have an obligation to utilize these lands for the benefit, and the high, you know, I don't remember the exact wording, but for the best benefit of Oregonians and not, and to balance it with ecological concerns. I think that jobs and the environment are not an either or proposition that we can, we can balance the values of Oregonians and put these lands to the best use of Oregonians so the Elliott um, I was there this summer It was one of the things I was able to do yeah, the <laughs> social Elliott distancing is, is, I'd is be pretty easy out problem. in the Elliott but uh, you know there, there have been people mentioning that they would not sell it to an outside interest other than the state and that's not even an option um, my opponent says You know, I'm not going to sell it. Just rest assured. Well, it's not an option. And there is a proposal for OSU to turn it into a research forest. And I've talked to some of the people who are creating, uh, you know, creating the proposal to to do that. And I, I think that's a good idea. It's just too bad that we can't utilize what we have for, you know, in place for the Common School Fund to actually fund our schools. And it's, too bad that we cannot sustainably um, harvest the trees, put them to work, yet maintain uh, recreational areas and, you know, make Oregon, Oregon. I mean, everybody loves to go out in the woods and nobody wants to mow down all the trees. So I think it is good to just keep those things in balance, jobs and the environment. So I would think it would be helpful to have the stakeholders, the very stakeholders of our land get together and maybe come up with how to accomplish that. <laughs> you know, maybe you know, have the, the recreational users, have the, um, you know, the environmental proponents and the people who work off the land to get, get together. I don't know. Maybe that's not possible, but it seems like when Jefferson and I worked on the transparency bill we were able to figure it out and i think that can be done
0: the uh, we got some texts and there is one on that topic and you have probably already given your answer but why sh- uh, why should we believe she isn't partisan she's backed by timber unity and other far right groups Does timber unity get a bad rap do you think that the, do you think the timber harvesting is getting a bad rap in oregon right now
1: uh well let me just go back to what you said about timber unity being a far right group that is not the case in fact so many people within timber unity they're they're, what they have in common is uh family-owned businesses small businesses large businesses but they're business people and you have you have people who have been are and still are members of every party and they they are proponents of jobs but that's yeah so i don't (laughs) i don't consider them a far-right group just because they were opposed to one of the bigger bills that uh came from one side of the aisle last time but it's not you know i don't i don't see no, I, that so i appreciate
0: i appreciate the response and no, it was actually directly responsive to my question i was reading the text and then asking if they get a bad if you think timber unity gets a bad rap and it sounds like you do think they get a bad rap
1: yeah i do i think they get uh classified as this. well like like you just did <laughs> as a far right group they are a group of people i I know people who are independents, people who had never voted. I know people who are, you know, of every party in there, and they are they're concerned about yep. the direction that um, their livelihoods would be going um, with some of the the policies that are being taken on.
0: And I, I want to pause to uh, I want to pause to say thank you. And to be clear, like I I might characterize it that way at some point. But I, ha- I but what I was doing was just reading the question that we received as it was sent in. But I want to say thank you, and also thank you to your terrific. I'm not wrapping the interview to be clear, but the uh, uh, and also thank you to Don, who is your tremendously effective uh, 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 cohort uh, that in having this conversation. Because I think one of the one of the key things we do have to have if we're gonna if we're gonna stitch together, maintain our democracy who do have to have is an ability for people to communicate, including communicate candidly about difference and find areas of commonality. So I really appreciate you taking this time. Uh, we've got, how would you have voted on the last land board vote on the Elliott? I heard you say, we've got to find a balance between, uh, between jobs and the environment. It doesn't have to, have to be either or. Uh, there was a vote before the Elliott. Uh, how would you have voted then?
1: How would I have voted on the Elliott back then? I, you know, that was about ten thousand five hundred and twenty-two issues ago. I I really don't remember all the details of it, to be honest. Uh, I just know that um, you, you just have to take in the information and make the best decisions that you can given the information that you have at the time. So it's I can't. I can't say really, but sure. I do think it's important that we do get a commission of stakeholders together and, and get that information from all sides, get the, the stakeholders together and, and try to figure out the best way forward for Oregon as a whole and not just for one part of Oregon, one interest group of Oregon.
0: Do you think there ought to be? Would you support a national redistricting uh, uh, commission, national redistricting reform? I think you're on record saying that you want it for the state. Uh, do you think every state should do that? How do you how, what are your thoughts about redistricting?
1: My thoughts on redistricting, having gone through it in two thousand and eleven and seeing how it just wasn't a great process at all I, I really um, after that two thousand eleven session and learning about different proposals to bring in independence or you know there are proposals talking about having retired judges There are proposals talking about having just this random group of people from a jury pool. I mean just different types of things. I like the plan that is being was being put forward in initiative petition fifty seven that didn't quite make it. It's a plan that had been worked on for years and it starts back when Secretary of State Dennis Richardson was in office. He brought together a plan or a group of people, and I think it included you know people uh you know just very d- distinct and different groups of people working on a plan that and so about 85 percent of that plan is in the initiative petition 57 so what i said from the beginning regarding that initial petition petition is that i would if it didn't make it to the ballot that if i became secretary of state and it would make it you know the redistricting plan wasn't agreed to in the legislature or somehow made it up to the desk of the secretary of state i was not going to be sitting in the closet with a red sharpie and drawing lines as i wanted to see them i was going to be implementing what was in the initiative petition 57 with the independent redistricting and all the parameters and and you know things that they put on that
0: Uh, dad anything you wanted to follow up on on redistricting otherwise go ahead
1: uh, let me say, I'm, the
2: thing that inspires me to ask this question is reading the, the fact that the Supreme Court ruled yesterday of 5 to 3 to, to uphold the Secretary of State in Alabama who has told county clerks that they are not permitted to have drive-up voting. That uh, there's no law in Alabama, one way or the other, and the Secretary of State said, "No, I, I'm not asking you to comment on that, but it does inspire me to ask. I, I'm wondering what you see as the interface. Do you see any any opportunity for help, or or is it just hands off? What is your view as to the what the relationship should be between the state that is responsible for state for statewide okay. office, for example,
1: well, and counties that? I I think. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't write that. Okay, so when it comes to the relationship with the county clerks, I, I think one of the best features of Oregon elections is that we don't have a centralized, you know, vote system where everybody's logging into the same system. We have 36 separate elections. And the county clerks are, of course, in charge of them. So we have 36 elections going on around our state. The Secretary of State... Has the rules and the, the county clerks uh, adhere to them, given their circumstances and their building parameters and their population, all these different things that they are very aware of. And I I think it's important to work with them, but they are they are uh, they are in charge of their elections. I mean, ultimately. So um, if there's, I think it's important to have that close relationship and not mow over the top of them and say, you must do this, but work with them and figure out ways of making things more secure. I do think it would behoove us to look at every step of the elections process, make sure it is as uh, secure and, uh, you know, good as it can be. But, uh, w- you know, we, we people have to have faith and trust in the security of our system, but ultimately it's the, it's the county clerks that are in charge of elections within their county.
0: Let's talk let's talk about let's talk about money uh, in politics right now on the ballot is uh, a chance for voters to make clear the Oregon Constitution allows for limits to campaign contributions. That'll mean that's going to go that passes and looks pretty good. uh, That's going to go to the legislature. Uh, where if you don't win the, where and you're going to engage in one way or another right you're going to engage it either as a state senator you engage it as the uh as Oregon Secretary of State where you won't have a vote but you'll have a voice uh, right now the federal limits are like twenty four hundred dollars anybody but that also means per spouse per primary in general so it really or maybe it's $2,600. so anyway it means it basically means what 1011 grand uh, is the limit for uh in in federal races. Do you think that level is too high? What level do you think the limit should be for contributions to candidates for legislative races or statewide office in Oregon?
1: Yeah, I, su- I support 107. Uh, I think it it's something that the Oregon electorate is in the mood for. They don't like all the money in politics right now. What that level is, that's a really good question. That's why I think it would be who. I would like to have some influence on this, the legislation in that I will, you know, whether the legislature puts it together or the Secretary of State's office puts it together, but I would like to have a multi-partisan commission of people and good government folks like League of Women Voters, Common Cause, you know, the people that want, that really keep a close eye on how our elections are run, on how, what that should look like. I know that setting limits too low can really disadvantage challengers. And make it easier for incumbents, you know that's kind of a not the direction I would think we would want to go. It can also uh, make it more challenging for minor third party candidates so i don 't know what that looks like. I think it would be important to get that perspective or those different perspectives from the the different parties and uh, good government groups
2: when that amount is finally determined assuming assuming that the amendment that the constitutional amendment passes and the legislature then does decide on it do you think that the legislation that is passed should have a cola that is should have an automatic adjustment based upon cost of living so that they don't have to come back every couple of every couple of years and re-vote on what the amount is
1: okay that's an interesting idea and that that <laughs> that that is an, uh, that's a really good idea actually i i wouldn't mind seeing that
0: we got a question in from a listener. We got several. Uh, what are you? And this one reminds me of an article I read as a political science student at the University of Oregon. And I don't know if you will have a thought on it or not, but I'll pass along the question. If you don't have a thought on, it, I'll move to the next one. What are your thoughts on changing voting districts and rather than and, and making voting districts tied to watersheds?
1: Any thoughts on that? Wow, had not never thought of that. Well, the the voting districts, and I think you're talking about redistricting, uh, where the House and Senate and congressional seats would be. Right now, there are procedures within the Constitution and within our statutes that we would need to follow. And that's, I don't think, one of them, but I'm sure it can be considered as part of the whole picture.
0: The Rajneeshis, uh, after the the Rajneeshis tried to steal an election, uh, and where was it, elk? Uh, Antelope. Antelope. (laughs) Antelope. I'm wrong. My wrong cloven hoofed beast. Uh, after <laughs> Rajneesh has tried to steal election antelope, uh, Norma used that as an opportunity to put in place a uh, voter registration deadline that is well in advance of the voting day. Uh, I am, of course, a supporter of same-day registration and think that it is somewhat absurd that we wait until the marketing campaign has really begun. And just before that, we cut off the time that people might respond to that marketing campaign can register and that means that you know fewer people do now we've got automatic voter registration now or we got motor voter in oregon now so it's it's a little different now do you are you on record about same-day voter registration you on record on or even on moving the deadline closer to election day
1: well of course we would have to change the constitution to do that i i'm okay with thinking about moving it i don't want to go with the same-day voter registration right now because i have talked to some of these um rural county clerks and they've talked about how there have been times when others since the Rajneesh have tried to bring in people to try to sway an election you know in these small at uh, least less populated counties that would be you know easy to do just bringing in a busload of folks but um yeah I, I think that's certainly something we can discuss i'm, I'm certainly not going to slam it down there's uh, a no way no how, ever? but so you'd be opposed
0: um, you'd be opposed same to same day registration but you're open to the argument about what the deadline should be did i get that right
1: yes that would be correct
0: we got another question uh, did you say the other day you want more drop boxes versus using the u.s postal service used to uh, due to postage costs is that did somebody uh, catch that correctly
1: well, we okay. So when they've uh, th- this this year, let me just say they set aside 1.7 million dollars for postage for the elections. And it used to be that 60% of voters put their ballots in a bo- in a drop box. You know, the the official drop box within their counties. Or and then 40% were mailing them. Well, all we did was now just change the dynamic where you have 60% of the people mailing them and then 40% putting them in drop boxes. I, I do want to make drop boxes more widely available. I would rather have spent $1.7 million making those more accessible for, for, for people.
2: I, I would like to brag yesterday I deposited my youngest sons and my ballot in the drop box at the Multnomah County office simply to save the state a buck
0: want to ask the uh well let me ask this let me ask this senator is there a topic you wanted to talk about that i failed to ask what's something that you're wanting to focus on in the campaign that you think is getting underappreciated and underrecognized?
1: well i do think it's real important that uh, i continue what dennis richardson did with these audits that don't just look at things that are republican but look at what concerns people around the state such as what happened in uh, northeast Portland with Bullseye Glass and uh, the Department of uh, Environmental Quality and what what was going on with air quality monitoring and all that. So he did an audit and then brought some of the recommendations to the legislature and the legislature responded appropriately by um, giving the the DEQ the resources they needed. But see, right now, though, I think we have some big challenges in our state, such as well, the response to COVID. It's it's caused a lot of challenges, uh, not the least of which is the employment situation. But thankfully, the employment department is now under audit. Um, that started recently. Um, but we have kitchen table school going on. We have moms having to quit their jobs, kids sitting at home. A lot of kids not even able to log onto the internet to do school or even have the equipment to be able to log into the internet. So, there are some gaps happening and there are kids falling behind. And at the same time, we've just boosted education funding. Um, well, the goal was to boost it by a couple billion dollars during the biennium. So where is that money going? I would really like to put in a permanent team of auditors to help schools um, make sure they're focusing their, their dollars, the dollars that taxpayers are giving them on the classroom and, you know, helping kids actually succeed that, Our schools have been a mess, and that's why that that Student Success Funding Act passed. People wanted to see their schools improve. But now the challenge with COVID, and there's no end in sight, we really need to figure out a better way forward. Give parents choices, help them, you know, deal with the situation the best way
0: was defunding that you brought up bullseye like glass was defunding the the deq a bad move was shrinking its staff levels uh, bad for uh, protecting environmental quality
1: well apparently it was they did not have the proper resources to be able to keep an eye on things like they should have been
0: well i want to say thank you again so much senator thatcher any closing word you've got anything i should have asked that i didn't
1: anything you should well a whole ton of things it's been fun talking with you Jefferson and I just really want to uh, let people know I've been spending most of my last 16 years working on good government issues just like when we work together on the transparency bill that I tout all the time it's one of those like unknown secrets out there that we have this transparency site there's a lot of improvements that still can be made on it but those are things I've been working on. M- I should ask you about
0: that. I know we've got, and we've got, forget my interruption, but it's it's on your topic. What changes do you think should be made to the transparency site? My biggest plug would be not only talking about the costs of government, but also talking about some of the progress that's being made in programs, uh, doing a little bit like uh, used to be done with the Oregon Progress Board. What changes do you think ought to be made to the transparency site in Oregon?
1: Well, I think it needs to be more user-friendly, first of all. You I know. think it would be better if it was searchable. And you didn't have to, you know, figure out which database to be looking in and have to open up all these da- different databases to be able to get the information. Um, yeah, those would be the biggest things. Now, as far as putting context on things, I think that's for others. But having the information there that's searchable and, um, y- y- you know, mashable, where you can get different things, different data sets and and, and figure out the best way to you know, match them up and see correlations and find things that need maybe change in our government. Um, I think those are some of the biggest changes I would like to see.
0: Kim Thatcher, candidate for Secretary of State, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning.
1: You bet. Thank you.